Our first scripture passage from the Old Testament is from Joel chapter 2, beginning with verse 28. Hear the word of the Lord. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, even on the male and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit. And I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said, and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Now we turn to Acts chapter 2, where that prophecy was fulfilled. Acts chapter 2, beginning with the first four verses. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, we call upon you now to make your word effective. Let it not return to you void, O Lord. Grant that it will reap a harvest in our hearts, and grant that we may understand it. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the first of a series of sermons on Acts chapter 2. I don't preach often, and when I do... The temptation early in my life was, well, trying to figure out what to say that would be helpful for people. Often I'm going to a congregation I've never been before, so I'm guessing. And so I'm going to leave the guessing alone, and I'm going to rely on the Lord. So that's what I do. And part of why I choose passages is simply things I want to look at more carefully. Uh, there are an awful lot of places. <laughs> There are a lot of places, but this is one that is most remarkable because, brothers and sisters, when you leave this brief time in the Lord's presence, this speaks to you about what we're doing here now and who's here now. The Lord Jesus Christ is here now through the Holy Spirit. That's what this text says in Acts 2. So let's look at how that works. This is actually just the first part of a section that unfolds and has many elements that we need to get to, and we will eventually. And when you look at those elements, it is spectacular in its scope. It's interesting that there are people who think of a church like ours and think, well, they're not Pentecostal, so... They don't believe in the work of the Spirit. Um, 
I was converted and I was a Pentecostal, so I've been there, okay, a long time ago. But, brothers and sisters, you believe in the Spirit if you believe the Scripture. And this is a text, among many others, including the one we read in Galatians 5, that shows that the Spirit is active on our lives. You may not always see him, but we'll see how this works in our passage. Now, this passage, this chapter 2, is rooted in chapter 1, as you perfectly expect. This is flowing out of chapter 1, particularly verses 4 through 5, and then I'll jump to verse 8. So let me read those verses for you. This is Acts 1, 4, and 5. Well, this is the risen Lord Jesus meeting with his disciples. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And now verse 8. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. That's actually a program statement for the book of Acts. The book of Acts is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, all the way up to the ends of the earth. This is kind of how the book of Acts unfolds, fulfilling uh, those words. It ends up with Paul at the very end of the book uh, proclaiming the kingdom of God to the disciples in the city of Rome, which is at that time the end of the earth that was known at that point. And so what you have is in Acts chapter 2, verses 1, the day of Pentecost arise, uh, and you have the uh, people of the Lord Jesus uh, gathered there, and they are Galileans. We're told that a couple places. In uh, chapter 1, verse 11, an angel appears to these disciples and says, Men of Galilee, why are you looking up into heaven? Jesus will come back like he left. Uh, so you have them addressed as men of Galilee. And then in our text, uh, soon after in chapter 2, verse 7, they're amazed and astonished, aren't these all Galileans? Uh, so these are people from Galilee. They're from one local area. We'll talk more about that in a moment, what that signifies. But they're Galileans gathered in one place who confess the Lord Jesus. Now they have just cast a lot, basically, like dice, uh, to let the Lord determine who will replace Judas Iscariot. Uh, and it was a fellow named Matthias. And here we are on the day of Pentecost. The day of Pentecost is just a word that means 50th, uh, but it's, it's a festival day. And that's very significant. It's a festival day in Jerusalem. And what that means is there is actually a requirement for all the pious Jews from roundabout to go to Jerusalem on that day. This is why you have so many visitors from all sorts of different areas around the ancient Mediterranean world uh, visiting Jerusalem at that time. It's a festival day, and their, their population just swelled enormously, uh, even more than the Marion County Fair. I mean, we're, we're talking big-time festival day. Benton County Fair. Sorry, got my got my counties mixed up. The Benton County. We we went to that. Big deal. Lots of visitors. 
lot more visitors in Jerusalem at the time. This is a large influx of people. And the festival, interesting in our singing, the festival is a harvest day. It's the wheat harvest. You look around, there's not a lot of wheat out here, a lot of grass, but there's some wheat. And it's like that, done by hand, but it's still, it's a wheat harvest day. And you bring in the first fruits of the wheat harvest. There's, there's a harvest remaining for fruit later in the early fall. So where we're at now in time, we're in the early summer. So your winter wheat is being brought in. And Pentecost is the great influx of the wheat harvest. Again, we sang about that, you know, putting the golden sheaves of wheat on the altar. This is, this is Pentecost, and that's what we're doing. And it was interesting in that psalm, you have souls being brought in, people being brought in, represented by that wheat harvest. Well, that's what we're dealing with in Acts chapter 2. They're gathered in one place, like gathering the harvest. These people are gathered in one place. And they're uh, gathered there uh, because they're staying in Jerusalem. These people don't live in Jerusalem. They're Galileans. They're from up north, a much more rural area. And they're in the big city, which is filled with all sorts of people. It's kind of an inconvenient to find a place to live. Sometimes people camped out, you know, in the surrounding countryside. Um, and, and yet they stayed here in obedience to the Lord's command. Now, in verse 2, it says they were in a house seated. And that's why you'll, you might hear or read uh, that they were in the temple. I don't believe that's true myself, because you don't normally sit in the temple. Uh, and these people are in a house seated. And because of that, it's, it's probably a big home that they uh, had available to them. And they're seated, because earlier, when they were gathered together, we're told in chapter 1, verse 15, that there were about 120 people. So it's a big enough house. It's about 120 people. Uh, could fit in this building easy. So that's what we're talking about. And they're seated there. And then all of a sudden, there is this driving, violent sound of wind. Driving, violent wind. It, the translation's you know, something like mighty wind, but you can, you can understand this to be a violent wind. It's the sound of a wind that is immediately very scary. Now, kids, sometimes you read about on the East Coast hurricanes, and you see pictures on the news about palm trees being, you know, waving in the, in the strong winds. It could be in your lifetime there will be a hurricane here where you live now. In 1962, I was eight years old, and we had what's known as the Columbus Day Storm here. And Corvallis, the weather station in Corvallis, was abandoned when the wind reached 127 miles an hour. And 
You know, that's just a number until you experience it. And once you experience it, it's really scary. Now, Woody, close your ears. A lot of old growth timber went down. <laughs> Heavy winds, old growth Douglas firs with 20 foot, 20 foot root balls. We used to play on them after that. 20 feet high root balls. I mean, big trees went down. I remember whole walnut orchards going down. This is wind that's really serious. Brothers and sisters, that's the sound they heard. And you get that wind in Elijah. He goes out to a cave and he hears this wind and it starts breaking up the rocks. This is, wind can do serious things. It's scary. It's destructive. They hear the sound of this wind. It's interesting. Jesus talks about the spirit. When you're born from on high, the spirit blows where he wishes and you see the effects of it. Here they're hearing the effects of it. But brothers and sisters, it says the wind filled the house, but it didn't knock it over. It could have if it had been the kind of wind where the Lord was here to destroy, but he was not. He didn't destroy anything with that wind. This was a wind of announcement. In that Psalm 104 that we read, he rides the wind. The Lord was riding the wind to his house where his people were gathered. That's what this signifies. The Lord rode in on this really fast horse, the wind, that he rides. This is all a picture language of the Lord coming to his people because he didn't come to destroy them. He came to equip and to fill them and to satisfy them. The Lord came so that you would know his presence is always with his people. And that's true of you today in this place. That's what he was announcing, that where his people are gathered in his name, he is there. He is here now. That's what this text says. That's what he was announcing. Even if we don't get that supernatural with, he could do that. He's going to give you a lot more important things. Because that sign was a sign of initiation, that this is a new period of time when he is with his people through the Holy Spirit. And let's see how that works with the next image he gives. He opens by talking about this wind, and then curiously, in verse 3, divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. So you have this wind sound. Remember, it's just the sound of wind. It's not the actual wind. It would be very curious to have actual wind and then flickering tongues of flame. You think it would blow out the, you know, the tongues of flame if it were real wind. It, it's a supernatural act where God's announcing something and telling you something. And it's the same with these tongues of fire. Now, this is not, this doesn't mean, um, Flames of fire, you know, this flickering 
flame of fire like a, uh, a lamp. Uh, their lamps were oil lamps, and they would have a piece of cotton in there as a wick. Uh, and so basically like a candle. Uh, so it would be a tongue like that. But he, he, he uses the word tongue here on purpose. It's not the normal word for a flame. It's a tongue of fire because Luke is prepping us for what's going to happen. It's because it's associated with language. Your tongue is associated with speaking. And so there's this fire. Now, once again, you get this fire like the wind, and it could signal really dire, destructive judgment stuff. But it's not. It's this flickering tongue of fire that rests on the people, and it doesn't consume them. No one is burned. No one is consumed and turned into ash. This is something that the Lord is signifying what he's up to in this act. This is what Jesus was speaking about in Acts 1. The Holy Spirit, you'll be baptized with him. John the Baptist said that. And, you know, you could read Luke 3. John the Baptist, I baptize with water. After, what, after me comes someone greater than me. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. That's what's happening. He's baptizing with fire. But then John goes on and says, and the axe is laid at the root of, at, at the, root of the tree, and anybody who doesn't follow, etc. Sounds like judgment. You don't put an axe at the base of a tree unless you're going to chop it down. That's judgment. That's what John was thinking. He's saying this is going to result in judgment. This fire, watch out. But when it's fulfilled here, it's fire of a different order. The people are not consumed, and it's tongues of fire because of what we read next. We read in verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Filled with the Holy Spirit. When you read that phrase, you think prophecy. Luke 1.67, Zechariah the father of John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. That's what you get. You get prophecy. The Holy Spirit inspiring people to speak his words so that the result is you're hearing words that the Holy Spirit originates and guarantees that it's a word of the Lord. This is, prophecy is not fallible. It's not, it can't be broken. It, it has no mixture of error in it. It is wholly the word of the Lord. This is why when prophets speak, they say, thus says the Lord. Agabus in the book of Acts, the Lord Jesus in Revelation 2 and 3, thus says the Lord. This is what the Lord is saying through the Holy Spirit. And that's what, they're, that's what these people are doing. They're prophesying. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why you get the wind and the fire. <coughs> the tongues of fire to prove the Holy Spirit's presence. 
demonstrating visibly. And it only had to happen once. Because it's the beginning of a new era. If we were to continue our reading in Acts 2, Peter's speech makes that clear. He says, if you want to know what's happening, this is the last days that Joel talked about. This is it. This is the coming of the Holy Spirit in the last days. That's the significance of what's happening. Brothers and sisters, you live in the last days. No, no. You live in the last hour. Little children, this is the last hour. As you've heard it taught, an antichrist is coming. Even now, many antichrists are in the world. Therefore, it is the last hour. 1 John chapter 2. You live in the time of prophetic fulfillment. The Old Testament prophets long to see this day and the things that you see and are part of. And you are a part of it. That's why gathering in this place every Lord's Day is so vital. You're, you're doing end-of-the-world stuff here. You're calling on the name of the Lord as pilgrims on the end of the age. Because who knows when this age will end, when the Lord comes, like a thief in the night. And that's what the Holy Spirit is indicating. He's indicating that this is the day of fulfillment, when the Spirit is poured out upon his people. And then that Joel 2, before the great and awesome, awful day of the Lord comes, that's when he pours out his Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit was poured out upon these as people. And then you get these Galileans, we're told in verses 7 and 8, these Galileans speaking in languages, because that's what these tongues are. This is not babbling. If you've heard that, you know, this private language, uh, that's not what's happening. That's, that's not tongues. Tongues is languages intelligible human languages given at this time to signify what the Lord is now starting. Because you have 120 people in Jerusalem, not the center of the world. I mean, that's Rome at that time. In Jerusalem, 120 people. And that's it. That's the church. Those are the followers of Jesus. Jesus is going to build his church, 120 people. He's going to equip them to go and bring in people from every nation known at that time with prophetic language in languages that they could understand so that the church would be founded on the truth that God has in mind his chosen people from every nation on earth. No one is excluded from the Lord's call. No one from any nation or ethnic group or background is excluded or excludable from full membership with the saints in light and eternal life in the church of Jesus Christ because he has his eye on his people from around the world. That's what we're seeing here. These languages from all around and, and you're thinking, you know, you're reading this and you're going, 
the, the people say in a moment, we hear, you know, our own languages here in this, these Galileans talking. Brothers and sisters, Galileans mean hick <laughs> in our terminology, okay? Now, I've made no secret of it. I've admitted it fully, even not even during the confession of sin time, but I've admitted I'm from McMinnville, okay? And you're saying, you know, a big wine place. It was not a wine place. We, had, we knew no wine when I was there. It was mud <laughs> and dirt. I grew up on a dirt road in town. It, the, it was 5,000 people growing up, four to 5,000 people. So a little farm town, okay? Muddy. I, what I remember most about growing up is mud. You know, we lived on a mud road, and the nearby road we called them Bumpy Road because it had a potholes in it. I know what a hick is, because I am one, all right? The Lord's grace. The Lord's sense of humor to call me out of all that to hear. That's what these Galileans are like. There's nothing about being a Galilean that says, oh, these are real sophisticates. No wonder they have university training. They can speak all sorts of languages. No. Their reputation is these are hicks. They don't know other languages. They're not cosmopolitan. They're from little farm towns, fishing villages. That's what we have. People like you and me who are elevated to being ambassadors of the kingdom of God, who are elevated to be the representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you leave this place, you don't go out from wherever you came from and what you think of yourself. You go out the way the Lord thinks about you, and he thinks about you as his precious child, as someone he has called and equipped with his Holy Spirit to be a shining star in this world. This is what the pastor preached on recently. You are the light of the world. You're like a city set on a hill. Without you, the world has no salt. And without salt, everything's tasteless. You are a reflecting light of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, all, of your, all of your worth comes from him. And he provides it abundantly through his spirit. That's what he's telling us here in this text. He's calling people, these Galileans, because he has a worldwide mission. And here we are, from those people's thinking, we didn't exist out here. Yeah, maybe some of you are from areas that were known you know, in New Testament times. You might be from a country that was known. Some of you... They didn't know. My people were Welsh. They, no one knew about the Welsh, except they were nasty people. So, I mean, but it's not like there were Christians there. There were none. There were no Welsh people gathered in Jerusalem at that time. And then, you know, who knows where we come from? It doesn't matter, because this is the sign that the Lord will build his church out of many people. Did you notice something interesting? In the Old Testament, at the end of Exodus, the pillar of fire, I beg your pardon, the pillar of smoke by day, and then a, a fire by night, 
filled the tabernacle, the, you know, the tent. The Holy Spirit didn't fill the building. He filled the people. It's the people who are building blocks of his church slash temple. That's why he did that. That's why those tongues of fire sat on the people. He could have made a sign where the building looked like it was on fire, but he didn't, because then he's not calling the building. This is why we can meet here, and our brothers and sisters in the Lord can meet wherever they're gathered throughout the world. One church, as we confessed in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in one holy Catholic church. Catholic means universal. That's what the Lord was building on that day with these tongues of fire on the individuals. It's the people who are the church. You are the church. The building is a convenient place to gather. And you're the holy ones. Now let me bring to your remembrance from the book of Revelation, your favorite book in the New Testament. I, I say that in fun because I find people who get nervous about Revelation. It's, it's the easiest book in the Bible. Got to know a couple of tricks. E it's easy. Trust me. Once you know the big idea and how it works, here's how it works. Every, every child knows it. Picture book. It's a picture book. It's a mental picture book. You, he, he gives you these vision pi pictures. It's like a dream. Okay? A vision is like a dream. And you all have dreams, and you, you, know, you see somebody, doesn't look at all like your mom, but you say, oh, hi, mom, doesn't look like your mom, but you know it's your mom. That's what it's like. You have this intuitive understanding of what's going on. You see things. So that's what this is like for John, and he writes it down because he's commanded to. It's interesting. The Lord commands John, send this to my people. I want them to see this. Book of Revelation is yours. The Lord Jesus sent it to you specifically. Now, in chapter 1, in the opening vision, which is kind of thematic, it's, it, it builds on a lot of stuff that follows, John turns around after hearing a voice, like many waters, like a huge waterfall, and he saw seven golden lampstands. And then someone in the midst of the lampstands had eyes like a flame of fire. Flames of fire. Not the word for tongues, it's flames. It has this fire. What's interesting is their lampstands. Now, a lampstand is just a metal object with a platform on top, but John doesn't see any lamps on him. The flame is in the eyes of the Lord. The risen Lord Jesus, whom he proclaims who he is. So he sees seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, there's somebody walking, the Lord Jesus. And he says, oh, you want to know what the lampstands are? That's the church. Those are my people, represented by that picture. Seven lampstands, the full number, perfect number, the complete church. That's what that means. He's walking in the midst of them. You just read Matthew 28. And lo, 
And look, I am with you even to the end of the age. You can't get away from me. I will be with you. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am. And here's the Lord Jesus in picture language, walking in the midst of his people, the lampstands. But what about the lamps? That's chapter 4. The lamps are the seven spirits of God. He sees, it's translated in the ESV, torches. Let me give you the verse for that if you want to look that up sometime. So this is in Revelation chapter 4. Verse 5, from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings, you know, sound, voices, peals of thunder, and before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. Now, the word torches there is the same word used of the parable of the ten virgins who have lamps. So this is really a word for lamp as well as torch. They prefer torch, I prefer lamp. This is a word that can be used for lamp. That's, by the way, Matthew 25. Ten, parable of the virgin. Their lamps, remember, they had to have oil in the lamps and all that. So this is the lamps. You get it, right? Seven lampstands, seven lamps, the Spirit of God, Seven spirits don't get nervous, not angels, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because the seven eyes on the Lamb are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. This is a picture of the Holy Spirit in his fullness as he rests as a lamp on each lampstand. That's why you have seven spirits of God in Revelation 4 and earlier, elsewhere. It's just a picture number of the fullness of the Holy Spirit as a lampstand on those, big pardon, a lamp resting on those lampstands. You can't get away from the truth that the Holy Spirit is determined to be with his church. He shows you that in a number of places. We saw the picture language in Acts 2. We see the picture language in Revelation 1 to make an infallible conclusion that you are Pentecostals in the best sense of that term. You are Pentecostals in that you believe in the operation of the Holy Spirit who will strengthen you for your work of ministry to serve the Lord wherever that may be he will give you tongues. He will give you insight to defend yourself when you're attacked. Jesus promises that. And he will strengthen you in your pilgrimage, your walk before him, as you walk by the Spirit. It is an infallible gift to you. The Lord gives himself in the person of the Spirit to strengthen you. And this is why the Lord portrays himself in that dreamlike vision in John as having seven eyes on the Lamb, which are the seven spirits of God, gone out into all the earth, even here in Corvallis. He is 
here, even in Corvallis. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, you can be encouraged today that when you leave this place, you don't walk out alone. The Lord is with you, and He will strengthen you for your life before Him because He has poured out His Spirit on Pentecost to prove to you that He is with His people throughout this age. And the Lord Jesus Christ attends the Spirit's presence mysteriously through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is yours and you are his. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. What a gift that we can't even fathom, O Lord, our God. We thank you that you've given of your spirit to the church. Grant that we may know your presence. Strengthen us in our times when we are down. And grant that we may serve you with joy all of our days, even in our pilgrimage as we wait the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in body as promised. Until that day, O Lord, strengthen and keep us all through the power of your Holy Spirit, and we thank you. In the the name of our great Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Amen.